I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. I will thank you forever because you have done it. I will wait for your name, for it is good in the presence of the godly. It's verses 8 and 9 of Psalm 52, which along with Psalm 41 are the psalms appointed for today, Monday, April the 26th, 2021. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. We have changed our Old Testament reading. In fact, we're not even going to be in the Old Testament because the Episcopal lectionary uses um, some work from the Apocrypha for the next little bit of time. Uh, And the Apocrypha is uh, a set of books that were um, included not in the canon of Scripture, um, but they were included as books that were good for uh, Christian understanding. But they're in the intertestamental period, which means they're not written at the time of the Gospels. They were written between Malachi and Matthew, and they were books that were used by um, by the Jews, but also by uh, the, the Roman Catholic Church from early on, sort of received these books as supplementary texts, maybe the best way to use it. And I wish that they were not in our lectionary, simply because it's difficult to sort of not say something about what they are and how we should treat these things. They're, they're um, profitable, <laughs> for learning and understanding, but we don't hold them in the same level and in the same regard as we do the books in the canon of the Bible. And so to the extent that they match up with things in the Bible and teach things that are in the Bible, we use them. And and like I said, I've just never been sure why we do that. And in the past, what what I do typically is on Sundays, if one of these lessons comes up, I just throw it out and I use something else. And we could easily use something else here, but I'm not. I just want to familiarize you with a little bit with the with these texts, but um, I'm not a big fan, to be honest with you, of, of using the books of the Apocrypha. When you read them in, in a service, you don't say, it, it. well, in in a normal Episcopal slash Anglican service, when you read Scripture, when you read uh, anything other than the Gospel, you get to the end of the reading and you say, um, the Word of the Lord. And then the response of the congregation is, thanks be to God. In with the with these books in the apocrypha, you basically all you say at the end of that is here ends the lesson, and there's no response from the congregation. They're clearly not intended to be treated as scripture. I, I just don't understand. I really don't. You know, I've only been at this about thirty years, and in all that time, I've still yet to figure out why it is we choose to use these things. And if you read this lesson today from Wisdom, what you'll see is it's it's Ecclesiastes. And we think that this book of wisdom was written by Solomon. That's the reason it got included in the Apocrypha, <clears throat> because it was used as not an authoritative text in Judaism, but it was used as a text in Judaism. And so it, some of these things are difficult to explain and understand why we're using them and all that, but I'm going to use it today just you know for the next few days simply because I don't have a problem with the text. Um, and so here we've got this this passage from wisdom, and I'll put a link to to the reading in the um, in the in the notes uh, below here. But so what what Solomon is saying, we're, we're, I'm going to say that this is Solomon because that's what we actually believe. Um, he, he's talking about the ungodly and the way that the ungodly think and the the decisions that they make and and why they do the things that they do. And, and what he's saying is here is, is that the ungodly said reasoning with themselves but not a right. So in other words, they, they reasoned with themselves but their reasoning was flawed. 
and our life is short and tedious, and in the death of a man there's no remedy. Neither was there any man known to have returned from the grave. And so we know that Jesus is the remedy for death, and he has indeed returned from the grave. And it's, but this was written prior to that. He says, we're all born at all adventure, and we shall be hereafter as though we had never been. For the breath in our nostrils is as smoke, and a little spark is the moving of our heart. Being extinguished, our body will be turned into ashes, and our spirit will vanish into the so- as the soft air. Our names will be forgotten in time. No man shall have our works in remembrance, and our life shall pass away as the trace of a cloud, and shall be dispersed as a mist that is driven away with the beams of the sun and overcome with the heat thereof. For our time is a very shadow that passeth away, and after our end there is no returning, for its fast seal, so that no man cometh again. Come on, therefore, let's enjoy the good things that are present, and let us speedily use the creatures like as in youth. And so all they're saying is, is that, that let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. That's really all it is. Let's, let's enjoy all the pleasures that this life has to offer. Let's treat people like things. Oppress the poor righteous man. Don't spare the widow, nor reverence the ancient gray hairs of the aged. Let our strength be the law of justice, for that which is feeble is found to be nothing worth. So it's exactly the opposite of of every teaching of the Bible and every teaching that Christ ever did. But it's based in one thing, and that's the belief that this life is all there is. And if you think this life is all there is, and there's no judgment on the backside of that, then why not? Absolutely, enjoy it. Abuse it. Use it. Do whatever you want. Because there's no reckoning for my life. And he says, such things they did imagine and they were deceived, for their own wickedness has blinded them. As for the mysteries of God, they knew them not, neither hoped they for the wages of righteousness, nor nor discerned a reward for blameless souls. And then he goes on to make a theological statement. God created man to be immortal, and he made him to be an image of his own eternity. Nevertheless, through envy of the devil came death into the world, and they that do hold of his side do find it. And it's very much the argument of Ecclesiastes. The argument that he's making in in Ecclesiastes is is that this life is indeed vanity. Vanity, all is vanity. Or it's the real word there is something more like smoke, which is exactly what he's, the metaphors that they, that are used all through here. Shadows, trace of a cloud, dispersed as a mist, soft air, smoke, all that stuff. It's the same basic word as that. And that word is hevel in Hebrew, and Hevel is also a proper name from Genesis 4, Abel, who vanished like smoke. And so the attitude is, is that of Cain, is what they're talking about. The, the attitude that, that it's all smoke anyway, it's all going to go away, so let's just do what we can. And, and so it's the belief that there is no reckoning for this life, and so you might as well get all of it you can get out of it. And you can treat people any way you like, because they don't really matter either. Because if my life doesn't matter, then your life doesn't matter. So it's this, the idea that does exist in, in the world today. But when you do away with eternity, when, you, when you're convinced that there's no such thing as eternity, there's no such thing as an afterlife, there's no such thing as a reckoning for this life, then, then you're free to do as you please. And when you're free to do as you please, then you tend to to be a libertine with respect to almost everything and other people as well. And so it changes morality, it changes ethics when you believe that way. It, it, but the other opposite of that is, is, is that everything matters at the same level. 
And, and you can come to the same idea with legalism, ultimately, and, th- and that is that people matter less than laws. And that's what we see in the gospel lesson. When Jesus comes into the synagogue, <clears throat> the first, that what we've got is they're going through the grain fields, and, and the disciples are hungry, and so they're just plucking grain off the stalks as they go through and then just rubbing them in their hands to release the chaff so that they get to the grain within. The Pharisees are so convinced that what you're doing is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. You're doing work on the Sabbath. And Jesus shuts that down, but the way that he shuts it down has to be incredibly offensive. Haven't you read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those with him. And then he said, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus said, I'm in charge here. He compared himself to David and then said he was the Lord of the Sabbath. It's, huh, wow, we just thought that you were just rubbing some grain together and we thought that was bad. Now you're comparing yourself to David and calling yourself the Lord of the Sabbath. You know, so basically Jesus' response is, you want something to complain about? I'll give you some things to complain about here. And and he's, it's man is made not for the Sabbath, the Sabbath is made for man. We're, we're, we're made to rest in that way, but as they're walking through the grain fields, they're, they're doing this very minute little bit of, quote, work in order to get sustenance, daily bread that they need. And then on another Sabbath, he enters the synagogue and teaches, and a man is there whose right hand is withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him, Jesus, to see whether he'd heal on the Sabbath so that they could find an accusation against them. Man, fault finders are just everywhere. It's just insane to think about having to deal with this stuff, but I, but I know who they are. I know what this looks like. So he knew what they were thinking, and he said to the man with the withered hand, come and stand here. So the man came and stood there, and Jesus said to him, to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or do harm, to save life or destroy it? If your ox is in a ditch, if an animal is in danger of some sort, then you can get you can make sure that, that that animal is taken out of danger on the Sabbath. So Jesus is asking, so so how do you all understand the Sabbath? And he looked at them and said to the man, stretch out your hand, and as he did so, and his hand was restored. They're so angry because that's all they care about is the law. They don't care about this man at all. They just wanted to know if Jesus was going to be a lawbreaker on the Sabbath. And we know that because they're filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Holy cow. The, the law that you've created is far more important than anything else. I saw that again and again and again in the church, especially in, in things like Anglican churches. There's certain things that are non-negotiable as far as ceremonial is concerned. And those things are set far above, in some ways, the gospel even. There's a way that you do things that's as important as the gospel itself. There's the idea that that it's our club, and we enforce the rules of our club, and we don't want to make this particularly seeker-sensitive. We don't want to make it so that just anybody can get into the club. We want to set the bar high, and we're going to expect a lot out of them in worship. We expect them to read at a very high level to participate in Anglican worship, and we, we, heaven forbid that we make any changes to that. No, we're going to make the changes simply for the sake of people being able to worship in spirit and in truth and to know that what they're proclaiming is true in language that they can understand. And, and 
it, it's, it becomes this, this law unto itself that gets set above the people who, who could otherwise be blessed. And, and so there's two different ways of looking at this, and, and that is to apply every single law as that it were life and death, or to decide there is no law. And so those are the two polar extremes that we've seen in these first two readings. And then we move to the epistle, which is Colossians 1, 1 to 14. And Paul's just writing to the saints there at Colossae. And he says, we thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you've heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it's bearing fruit and growing. So among yourselves from the day you heard and understood the grace of God and truth as you heard it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, who's a fellow minister of Christ on our behalf and has made known to you <coughs> your love in the Spirit. And so we, we have never ceased to pray for you, asking you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding to lead a life worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God may be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who's qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. I mean, if somebody would pray for that for me just every single day, that I would have those things, that I'd be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that I would lead a life worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy and giving thanks to the Father. I mean, what a prayer. Could you want anything more for other people than those things right there? And then Paul reminds him, he's delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We're called to be those people. We're called and we're reminded that, it, that, that eternity matters, but so does life. So that first passage, the, the conclusion was there is no eternity. So this life doesn't really matter. All that matters is pleasure and getting as much as you can. And in Luke, the idea is eternity matters and every single thing can keep you away from eternity. So you've got to make sure you keep every little law, however we interpret it, and we're going to interpret it in the strictest way, and we're going to forget that people are actually what matters. Christ loved the world. He came into the world for us, for people. And we're not any good. <laughs> That's the honest truth. And the proof of that is he was crucified on a cross, demanded to be crucified on a cross. So we were enemies of his, Paul says, and he's right. And so what he's saying is, is love one another and follow Jesus and follow his example. And the more that you're like him and the more that you love one another the more that you humble yourself and realize what he has done. He qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light by delivering us from the dominion of darkness and transferring us to the kingdom of his son. And in that we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Well, that alone, if redemption is in the forgiveness of sins, should drive us to our knees all the time in confession. Not that we want to be morbid about our fascination with sin, but we should be quick to allow the Holy Spirit to convict us in order that we might receive grace, in order that we might become more like Him ultimately. Our lives matter, 
just as his life mattered. His life is the meaning for our lives. It's important the way we live. And we live with eternity in mind, but we never forget this life in order to do that. And we care about and love one another as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God.